Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We are in verse 16 at the moment, and uh, we dealt with the first half of verse 16 last time. Today we're going to continue on with the latter half, but let me read the whole verse to you. Remember again that this is all a part of uh, a section that John is dealing with, uh, uh, I guess bringing us to a place where we can be God's answer to man's need to see Him. And uh, he's doing everything that he can to get us to a place where we have confidence in God and our future as well. We're going to find out that this is all going to help us as well on that day of judgment. You know, when we're standing before God, because a lot of people are concerned about that day. I mean, if you really think about it, for those people that, you know, are coming towards the end of their life, they start thinking about things like that. And can I say it's good to start thinking about it now rather than later? Because you can do more now (laughs) leading up to it. You know, it's like the kid that waits to the last moment to study for their exams, you know. You don't do so well. It's better if you kind of study along the way. Now I know everybody's probably here going, yeah, that's what we all did, waited to the last minute. So, so that's why I'm here. Every week, do your homework. No, <laughs> not today. Okay, <laughs> listen, man. This, you know, we need to make changes a little bit at a time. All know that, okay? It's very hard to change overnight. It's very hard to just suddenly become something else. You really need to grow in this. And this is the reason why, you know, we need to, every week you need to receive the word and you need something to help you just make those extra little corrections along the way. And especially if you had a bad week or, you know, a bad situation arise in your life, you need to know that you handled it right. And if you didn't, you need to go fix it. Amen. You need to keep God in your life. That's what I'm trying to do. Amen. And, uh, you know, the other thing also that I really want to do is, is to get you on side with God. <laughs> okay. Not offside with him. You know, in that you need to understand who God is, what God is, how he approaches you so that you approach him correctly as well. Because a lot of times, you know, people today have this religious mindset that God is mostly their problem. They attribute everything good and everything bad to God. And so because of that, you know, it's a very sad situation when God is wanting to help you out of a bad situation that you are blaming him for that he had nothing to do with. Can I get amen on that? Okay. So my job is to get you on side with God. You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, God, I did everything, everything that I could to get him on side with you. It's their fault. If not. <laughs> no, I won't do that. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> you know, if I can just get you to that place, because this is about having confidence in God. Listen, it's only as... Remember we looked at... Um, what was it, Romans last, last week, when we talked about the love of God, that, if we, that we can be more than conquerors only if we know that He loves us, that He won't let us fail, <laughs> okay? That's what allows us to go that extra mile in our fight. Otherwise, we'll just quit and throw in the towel, man. But if you know God's behind you, if you know there's a great cloud of witnesses cheering your name and saying, go on, we were there, we know how difficult this is, we get it. Some of us didn't do so well, but we're expecting more from you (laughs) because you're a new creation, we weren't. You all remember that, right? (laughs) Okay, all right. So let me begin by reading because I'm going all over the place here. But let me begin by reading 1 John chapter 4 verse 16. He says, and we have known and believed. That's the key. The Apostle John says, we have known and believed. He knew and he believed. Okay? He says, what did he believe? The love that God has for us. See, that's why you couldn't kill the guy. 
He just knew how much God loved him and he said, no, God won't let this happen. Amen. Now, you know, we do live in a fallen world. Jesus did say the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, listen, in the midst of all of that, you need to know God loves you. And that even if something goes wrong, whether you had something to do with it, or somebody dropped a piano on your head, you know, <laughs> like you had nothing to do with it, it just came out of nowhere, all right? Regardless of what, what, what situation you might be facing, that God loves you, and God wants to get you out of that, if you let him. You need to see him as your solution, not as your problem. That's what the Apostle James says, you know. He says, don't, you know, don't err about this. He said, don't get this wrong. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift, that comes from God. The other stuff doesn't, <laughs> okay? He talks about temptation, you know, and he talks about people getting into trouble because they go do the wrong thing, because they decided they want to do the wrong thing. And he says, listen, God will help you out of that, but understand, God never put you there. Amen. I could go play with that, but I won't. All right, let's move forward because I got a lot to share with you today. All right, so again, he says, and we have known and believe the love that God has for us. Then he goes on to say that God is love, and he says, he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. That's what I want to look at today. <clears throat> Firstly, with regard to the statement, God is love, in his commentary, Simon J. Kistemacher explains that God, whose essence is love, approaches his people in love. Did you hear that? God, whose essence is love, approaches his people in love. I really need you to catch all of this, okay? All right. John reveals that anyone who lives in this divine love lives in God and God in him. We'll look at all of this, all right? And what it actually means. Oh, it's fun. All right? This brief <laughs> passage is what C.H. Dodd calls the high water mark of the thought of this epistle. Now, let's have a look and see what it means to abide in love. Because I know you're all thinking that, oh yes, brother, I love everybody that's around me. I love all my friends. I love them. I love them. Uh, this, doesn't, this isn't talking about just your friends. This is talking about people you don't like. Hello. Let's have a few, let's look at a few examples, shall we? Are you ready? You, you want to leave now? Okay. <laughs> There's the door. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> let, me just, let me just begin with this. Matthew chapter 5. Let's go there. <laughs> let's see what Jesus had to say. This is something that the Apostle John learned from Jesus, needless to say. And so what he's sharing with us is coming from what he learned from his master, from Jesus. All right? And I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And everybody went, yeah, we know that and we're doing that. We're good with that. <laughs> okay? All right. But, <laughs> verse 44, you know when Jesus put the butt in there, you get nervous. Everybody get nervous with the butts. Okay? And Jesus, verse 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Remember John is talking about he who abides in love. Alright? This is how you live in love. This is what it means to live in love. He says, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Ouch. Do good to those who hate you. Matthew 5, 44. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Really? You know, he could have stopped just at the first thing. 
But when he gets to the old spitefully, look, look at <laughs> Let, let's take this one, one thing at a time, shall we? Okay, all right. <laughs> what she says, number one, he says, bless those who curse you. Do you know what the difference between blessing and cursing is? Blessing is speaking well, cursing is speaking badly. Uh, the best example is what Jesus did to the fig tree. Remember when he cursed the fig tree? When he said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever, you know, and that was the end of it. Okay, walked away. And the thing died, died from the roots. That's cursing. You say, well, I never do that. Yeah, maybe not to trees, but you do it to people. <laughs> okay, you know, there are people that do bad to us, and we go, you know what, God, just make, just, just get him, God. Just make sure that anything they do from now on doesn't work. So I can feel good about it. Because they did a bad thing. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> you know, come on. You're all looking at me so innocently. We, we, it's like somebody once said a long time ago, a preacher said, we take them all to the torture chamber in our mind. And we go at it. Oh, we really let him have it. You know, the, 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 the thing is, God's there. You think it's just in your mind, but he's actually sitting there going, well, that's a very interesting approach. What else do you want to do? <laughs> okay. Remember, he said, if you're thinking about it, amen, you're basically doing it. You, you know why? Because God sees what's in your heart. That's why I said, you know, regardless of what outward graces you have, I want to use other words, but I won't. <laughs> okay. God is seeing what's actually going on on the inside. Let me just warn you, be careful about what's going on on the inside. Can I get amen? Okay. All right. Okay. Remember again, we are talking about how do you abide? How do you live in love? This is how you live in love. He says, bless those who curse you. So what do you do about blessing? If cursing means talking badly about something or someone, then, then blessing means that you speak well. That's all it is. Okay. Don't, don't get too caught up in this. And, you know, let me just say this. Be careful also, this isn't, now let me just say this as well, because I want to balance this out a little bit really quickly. I don't know if I can, but I'll do my best. <laughs> right? You know, let's say, you know, Brother Andrew, he never would, okay? But say Brother Andrew did something really mean and bad and just bad, okay? And, and I look at him and think, he's a bad person. And, you know, but I don't, you know, I, because Pastor Roche said you got to speak well. So, you know, say Sarah comes along and says, well, I, I, I want to get some help from Brother Andrew. Is that okay? And because I have to speak well of him, I say, oh, yes, sister, he's fine. That's wonderful. So she goes and has dealings with him. And she comes and goes, it's horrible. What is wrong with you? I'm trying to be real here. Can I be real? <laughs> okay. How, how do I work around that? What I can say to her, see, without lying, I can say to her, you know, I didn't have a great experience with him. Sorry. He, never. Okay. But I can say this to, to her. I can say, I haven't had a great experience with him. Maybe you, you do better. You know, my experiences with him haven't been wonderful. And if she asks, then, you know, I also need to tell the truth. But I can make sure that I don't do it with uh, a horribleness to it. Can I, can I say that? Okay. I can say, well, you know, this is, he might, maybe he just had a really bad day or blah, blah, blah. And I can sort of bring that across in that way. But at least I've given her enough to know to keep her guard up. I know of a person that followed, you know, this the wrong way. And, and put somebody with somebody else that they knew were, was bad. And this person they put him with had to go to therapy. Oh, he knows what we're talking about, you know. 
You know, that is dumb. Yeah, but brother, we can't speak badly. Listen, you can't be stupid either. And don't put other people in harm's way in, in doing that. All right, have I balanced it? Can I move on? Okay, all right. So that's how you bless them. You know, you can, you can always look for sort of uh, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they're having a bad year. They're having a bad life, I'd watch out. <laughs> okay, all right, or whatever. But, you know, again, we can, it, it is what is in our heart that matters. If we are, you know, if there is a, a anger and a hatred and a sarcasm when we're speaking, that's not good. But if we come at it, you know, from an objective point and do the things that are said, that's different. God sees your heart and God knows that, you know, it's not like you're just, I'm trying to, you know, just trash Andrew, so to speak. You know, sorry about the language, but you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, that I'm trying to be fair about this. But to both of them, to both Andrew and Sarah, amen. Okay. So that's that. <laughs> Moving on. He says, do good to those who hate you. Now, do you know what do good means? Doing good means you go beyond speaking to actually doing something good. We're going to have a look at this in just a minute. I'll give you an example. He says, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, please don't go pray that God bless them and God just do amazing things for them, that their life is just balls. You all heard that? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Anyway, okay. <laughs> you can't pray that stuff because the Bible says if they do the wrong thing, they're going to go down a path that, of destruction. And they, you know, and God's going to go, oh, look, Rosh prayed so that, that, that this person that's really mean and doing everything, you know, bad, he prayed that they should be blessed. So I'm going to forget about Galatians 6, 7, that whatever you saw you reap. I'm going to forget about all my word. I'm just going to say, Rosh, you can have that. That's not, how, that's not what I pray. What I pray is, dear God, open the eyes of his understanding because he is on his way to a place he doesn't want to end up in. Amen for all of eternity. Do you know what I'm to say? That's how we can pray. That's how, we, you know, especially for those who, notice it says spitefully use you. Remember we're talking about living in love. You thought this was going to be one of them fluffy things, didn't you? Well, you were wrong. <laughs> okay, all right. So, come on. I just want to bring some reality into this because, you know, a lot of times people preach this stuff and it's all glory balls and fluffy balls and nobody knows what this is talking about. They say, oh, living in love. Oh, yeah, brother, I'm living in love. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> okay. How are we going? <laughs> All right. So, what, what, getting back to this, notice how it says, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, which means they do it because they're just mean, because they're just nasty, because they just don't like you for whatever reason. You smell bad, look bad, whatever, I don't care. It's, it's not a reasonable thing. Are you all with me? What you need to do is learn to pray for people like that the right way. That God opens their eyes and that they see where they're going and that they change. Do you understand? Pray for change. Somebody give me an amen? Amen. Okay. All right. In his commentary, William Hendrickson says that after thoroughly researching, this is really interesting, all the relevant sources, the conclusion remains that the first one, who has taught mankind to see the neighbor in every human being and therefore to encounter every human being in love was Jesus. Wow. They've researched this. He's the first person to have brought this out. He changed people's thinking in what he taught on that Sermon on the Mount that day. 
Do you hear me? Amen? And the Apostle John learned how to walk in that to such a degree that he became the person that nobody could kill. Didn't matter what you tried. And that's why they threw him on that island. Because we can't kill this guy. What do you do with somebody you can't kill? You, you know, you put him away from contacting other people. <laughs> you know? If he's a threat to the, the state or whatever, they, they, they maroon him on an island. You know, like I said before, and then God says, oh, I have some time with you. Let's go write the book of Revelation, shall we? <laughs> you know? I got a few moments. Let's, let's do this and finish the Bible now that they've given us this time. Do you know when John, when, following the book of Revelation, do you know John went back, became a pastor of a massive church? He died when he wanted to. He didn't die when everybody else told him he should. Amen. That's why I think this, this epistle is for now. This epistle is for us. If we get the revelation that's contained in here, I think we can have that same life. Amen? That's why I'm, I'm spending time on it. Okay. Praise God. So what's interesting now is that the word for love in Matthew chapter 5 and 1 John 4 is the same Greek word. It describes divine love. It's agape for those that know Greek. Okay? It's, the, it's divine love, which is the kind of love that gives without expecting to receive. Now this is a key thing as well. It's a kind of love that gives without expecting to, expecting to receive. And why the King James constantly translates it as charity. It is the love, I've said here, that is described in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, as being patient and kind, not jealous, boastful, proud, rude, demanding, irritable, or unforgiving, but bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and most importantly, never fails. You know, everybody don't like the first part. Hey, keep reading till the end. It never fails. Do you understand why it never fails now? Because you're living in God. You live in God. And God, you just got God all around you. See, we still haven't stepped into this the way the Apostle John was walking in it. And I want you guys to make that journey. Begin that journey today. Can you do that? You might say, well, it's a hard thing. Listen to me. Where you get to and the rewards are just beyond your imagination. Beyond what you can <laughs> ask or even think. <laughs> okay, It's one of those things. It just gets to a place where you'll be blessed in so many ways. You won't even, you know, you just go, this is, this is getting crazy now. I like crazy blessing. Do you want to be crazy blessed? I want to be crazy blessed. I'm, I'm nodding. I'm okay. Okay, I'm just letting you know. All right. <laughs> now, to give us some practical uh, insights into this. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 25. Are we ready? Proverbs 25, verse 21. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 21. It says, if your enemy is hungry, let him go hungry. Because he's more susceptible. No, don't read. <laughs> you know, he's more pliable. You know, when they're hungry, they'll say yes to anything. <laughs> okay, come on, man. That's what we're all thinking, right? Oh, let's be honest. Everybody got, your halos are all slipping. That's what we want to do. But I want you to notice the Bible doesn't say that. At their most vulnerable, when you can probably get the best result from them, because when they're hungry, they'll do stuff. He says, feed them. Yeah, but God, there goes all my negotiating power. Feed them. <laughs> okay. He says, if enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. I've said this to you before, and don't poison the thing. Okay? <laughs> all right. Yeah, I gave him bread, all right? <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, and he says, and if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. I just want you to notice this. 
This begins by saying, listen, if you see a need, this is living in love. Are you getting a revelation now? This is how you live in love. Not just, you know, love here a bit, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there. This is how you live in love. Even when it comes to your enemy, if you see him hungry, feed him. If you see him thirsty, give him to drink. Do you know why? Do we remember, I don't have it written down here, but do we remember that whole episode? We, we like, you know, th there'd be more with us than against us, remember? Elijah on the mountaintop. Remember what he did? The, the, all, the, all of those guys were waiting to go and just obliterate the other army. Elijah says, no, hang on, don't do that. He says, blind them. Listen, what does he do after that? He says, I'm here to help you because they can't see nothing now. He goes, I'll, I'll lead you to the place you need to be. And he just led them all straight in through the gates of the opposing kingdom. All right? And, and the king says, oh, wow, you brought all our enemies to us. They're blind. We can kill them. There won't be a fight in this. This is really good. Do that for everybody. That, no, okay? And Elijah says, no, don't kill them. R remember, he says, feed them. The king's like, really? <laughs> you know? I mean, they're blind. They're vulnerable. This will take care of a lot of problems. He says, don't do that. Listen, he says, feed them and then let them go. Did what? He goes, let them go. So we're feeding them and saying, here, get your strength up and come and kill us. Thank you very much. <laughs> come on, somebody would have been thinking that. You're all looking at me so innocently. Anyway, so that's what I was thinking, okay? I'm a bad pastor. Anyway, <laughs> okay? But you know what happened? It says that these people, once they were fed, went and never came back. Do you know what they realized? They were dealing with a God that was so much more powerful than anything they had ever seen. Blinded their entire army and a God who was loving enough to feed them. Now, if he can blind you and feed you, he can do some other things too. Let's not mess with this one. <laughs> Amen. And it says they had peace after that. Isn't that interesting? So there's a practical example of what actually happened when this was done. Just so you all know. Okay. All right. Further to this, there's also the uh, Exodus chapter 23. Let's go there quickly. Exodus chapter 23. I so wanting to finish this today, but I don't think I will. Verses 4 and 5. It says there, if you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, shoot it, have dinner, and say you never saw it. <laughs> hey, man, it's your enemy's, okay, listen, I mean, that's what you want to do. You want to take away, any, you know, remember, if he's your enemy, means he's done something to you to become that, and you want some payback. Are you all with me? Let's just make it real here. But watch what he says. He says, if you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, he says, take it back to its owner. Isn't that interesting? He says, regardless of how mean that person has been to you, you do the right thing. Let's go on. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you struggling beneath a heavy load, do not walk, walk by. Instead, stop and offer to help. Do you know what? Can you, are you seeing something here? Listen, why should the poor animal suffer just because their owner is a bad person? I wanted to say something else, but I'll say a bad person. See, we sometimes forget the innocent that suffer because of the stupidity of somebody else. Do you all get this? 
Notice we're not talking about the enemy themselves, but their animals and the suffering that they're going through, whether they're lost, whether they're, you know, whatever it is. Are you all with me? I need you to see something here. Sometimes we get mad with someone and we get mad with them and everybody around them suffers because of something they did. And the Bible always lets us know, be careful about who suffers around them in you taking, you know, vengeance or whatever against them. Because there's always collateral damage. There's always casualties. There's always innocent people that get hurt along the way. And let me say this to you. If you live that way, whoever lives by that sword will die by that sword. Amen. He said, see, whatever you sow, you reap. If you sow judgment, you'll reap judgment. If you sow mercy, you'll reap mercy. It may not come from that person, but it'll come from God in some other way. You decide what comes into your life. Are you all with me? By your actions. Whatever you sow, you will reap, family. That is a law. You throw it up, it will come down. You know that kind of law? Okay. All right. <laughs> That's what living in love means. And, you know, let, let me just return back to Matthew 5 very quickly and just finish off those verses because I want you to see something that Jesus goes on to say there. Matthew chapter 5, I want to go on to verse 45. In fact, do I need to read verse 44 to keep it in? Let me, let, let me just read. Can I read from verse 43 just so you get the flow of the thing? All right. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said um, in Matthew 5, 43, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use, uh, use you and persecute you. Verse 45. Listen, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Wow, there it is. Okay. Now you might say, well, I'm a girl, but listen, the son lives in you. So God sees all the same. I think it's Galatians 3.28. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no bond or free. There's no male or female. You are all in Christ, one in Christ. Amen? Uh, and, and I love verse 29, by the way. It goes on to say, it equates all of that and says, if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. I love that, which means that all the Jews and Gentiles, all the bond and free, all the male and female, all got into that blessing. In Christ. That's why we always are seen as sons, not just males and females, but sons. Amen? Whether you're male or female, when you come in the presence of God, He sees His Son in you and treats you like Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen to that. Anyway, back to this. Verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For Watch this. For He makes... See, now, He will never ask you to do something that He doesn't do Himself. That's why I want to read these verses. For he, that is God, makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Jesus says, do not even the tax collectors do the same. He's saying, you know, loving those who love you is easy. Everybody does that, mostly. Okay, <laughs> okay? all right. Let's hear twisted. Anyway, all right, verse 47. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. So he's saying, listen, doing stuff that you're happy to do doesn't make you stand out in a crowd. Can I put it that way? Okay, verse 48. Therefore, you shall... <laughs> no, don't get nervous about the word perfect. He says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, before everybody sweats blood now, very quickly, <laughs> so we don't get nervous, all right? In his commentary, William MacDonald, I love the way he explains this. He says the word perfect 
must be understood in the light of the context. It does not mean sinless or flawless. Hallelujah. Everybody stop sweating now. All right. Doesn't mean sinless or flawless. Okay. The previous verses explain to be perfect means to love those who hate us, to pray for those who persecute us, and to show kindness to both friend and foe. Perfection here is that spiritual maturity which enables a Christian to imitate God in dispensing blessing to everybody without partiality. Can I get amen? Amen. All right, that's how you can be perfect before God. In other words, as Leon Morris puts it, we might, we might stop here because I've gone way over time. Just as your Father in heaven is perfect in that there's no limit to his goodness, you too need to be perfect in the same way to where there's no limit to your goodness either. Now, family, I know that's going to take a while for us to get there. Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> it's going to be hard for us to get there. But let me say this to you. This isn't talking about doing something in your flesh. This is about living in God. This is about the resulting lifestyle that comes from living in God to the place where now God lives in you, you live in God, and love never fails because God is love. And as you start moving in this, you will, I told you, things will begin to happen around you that will be just miraculous. But as long as we don't step out of it, we need to stay in there. It doesn't mean that we have blinders on. It doesn't mean that we don't see things for what they are. Okay, because Jesus talks about, uh, you know, us being wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Did you get the harmless as doves part? Did you also get the wise as serpents part? Not dumb as donkeys. <laughs> okay, some Christians are like that. Uh, he says, be wise as serpents. So we need wisdom about everything that we do. We need to understand that we're dealing with something. All right, maybe it is a very bad situation. How do we deal with it so that we don't get uh, dragged down into it? ourselves so that our heart isn't in a bad place see i told you you can be objective about things and please be objective about things but don't let your heart get attached to it where, where there is a hatred attached to it you can say things see i can say things you know the same way i can sort of say well you know i used andrew before andrew's just having a bad day Maybe he is, maybe he's, I'm not sure, maybe he was having a bad day. Or I could say, you know what, he's having a bad day. He's probably having a bad life. See that y'all, <laughs> sorry Andrew. See the difference? Y'all pick picked up on that? I don't hate him or anything, okay? But do you see the difference? So please don't condemn yourself. You know, if you said, oh, I said something bad about somebody. I'm not talking about what you said. I'm asking you to look at your heart and judge your heart. Where was your heart when you said it? That's all I'm asking you to do. Just be careful because that's where you move mountains. Amen? And you don't want anything to get in the way of that, which is why Jesus is talking about and John is talking about living in love. Because remember what Jesus said in verses 25 and 26 when, when he finished with the mountain-moving faith and having anything that you pray for, he said, if you have ought against any. He, he tells us to forgive. And he says, it's without conditions. Do you know why it's without conditions? Because he's concerned about your heart. He's concerned about anything getting in there, any strife getting in there that will compromise what he is trying to get through to you and the power that he designed for you to walk in. Let me say it that way. Amen? Do you know God designed for us to walk in a certain kind of power? That's extraordinary. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to leave it there because I won't stop otherwise. Um, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. I pray that you receive something today in all of this.
Praise God. Father, we just say.